Welcome to Wiffle's Press Box Podcast, where we discuss the latest topics in the professional world of sports. Enjoy our exclusive interviews with athletes, coaches, insiders, and fans. And now, here's your host, Gary Wiffle. So how did the Green Bay Packers fare in the NFL draft? And did they secure the players they needed to bolster their Super Bowl hopes? Hello again, I'm Gary Wolfel, and thanks for joining Packers reporter Rob Reichel and I for another Packers podcast. Hello, Rob. Hey, buddy. How we doing? Good. I'm uh, trying to recover from that scintillating three-day NFL draft. Uh, I'll tell you what, I was starting to, uh, I'm not going to say fall asleep by the time the fifth round rolled around, but uh, it, it was a challenge from there on out. Well, you should have joined me in Green Bay. Gary, there, there's no time to rest. It's a, it's an exhausting three or four day stretch, and uh, it's it's a lot of fun. I mean, a, a guy like myself who, who who writes a dozen stories over the course of the weekend, I, I Gary, I, I would have been watching that stuff anyways. So you know, it, yeah. it's, it's one of those times when when your when your interests kind of cross over with with your work, and it uh, it, it it turns out to be a blast. I, I I flash back to college, Gary, my buddies and I. You know, but that that's back when it used to be on a Saturday, Sunday, all all weekend. I I don't I don't think we'd leave the house. You, you'd order in every meal. You you you'd bring plenty of alcohol, and you'd, uh, <laughs> you'd you'd spend two or three straight days, Gary, watching you know watching that thing all the way down to the to the seventh round pick. So it's I, I personally I love it, Gary. It, like I said, it, it, it's a ton of work these days from from my seat, but it but it's really really fun work. Oh, absolutely. I, I hearken back to the days when I uh, covered the draft and it started like, I think eight o'clock in the morning and yeah, didn't get done till about 11 o'clock at night. And they, and they were just marathon sessions, but you know, it just, just getting back to uh, the recent draft. It was one thing for the Packers to have three picks in the first two rounds, which by the way, if they would have used all four of their picks in the first two rounds, that would have been the only the second time in Packer history where they had four picks in the first two rounds. So I was kind of hoping that they'd keep all four just from a historical standpoint. But what, what, what I thought was crazier, and I really felt bad for you and uh, other members of the media, was what did they have, four seventh-round picks? Yes. I mean, yes. you had to sit through this four-pick <laughs> four seventh round and – I mean, the odds of any of those guys making the team, uh, I, I would think, would be slim. I, I I don't know. But nevertheless, four in the seventh round is crazy. Well, you want to feel bad, Gary. I, like, for example, I, I had a couple of deadlines that were 10.30 on Thursday night, and, and they took Devontae Wyatt at 10.18 p.m. Um, and and, and you, know the, you know the deadline drill as well as anybody, Gary. And, um, you know, a lot of times something will happen, and you've got five minutes or ten minutes to crank out a story. But you know, that's that's how tight some of that stuff gets at at various times. And 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 you're trying to work ahead and trying to project who they might take and stuff like that. And um, you know, then, then they'll throw you a curveball and and make a trade or something like that. But it's uh, yeah, they they took Wyatt, I think, Gary, twelve minutes before uh, you know, uh. before, before I had some some random deadlines uh, around the state, but. Uh, Again, it's, it, 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 it never stops, you know, just to let people in a little bit behind the curtain in green Bay, the, the Packers, Gary do a terrific job with, with the draft, their PR people that they, they in, in general, that they, they have a God awful public relations department. It's, it's, wow. it's, it's <laughs> you really, know, like really Tom Fanning in the, in the, in the group, 
it's one of the worst four or five in football. But for the draft, I'll give them a lot of credit here. They, they do a terrific job. As soon as a player is picked, they, they bring in a scout who might have been in that area to talk about them. They'll, they'll bring in the general manager at the end of the day. They bring in Matt LaFleur, the head coach, at the end of the weekend. And, and you know, within 20 minutes, most of the time, Gary, they, they've got that player on the phone to, to chat with people. So, you know, you, you might have a half an hour, 40 minutes, an hour, whatever it is between picks. And, you know, you're, you're talking to three, four players or representatives, uh, you know, from the Packers inside that tight window and then boom, here comes the fourth round pick. And I talked to a few people and boom, here comes the fifth round pick. And, you know, so, so really Gary, from, you know, from that perspective for eight, 10, 12 straight hours, it, it never really does end on, on those particular days. But again, it's a ton of fun and, and we'll get into here now what this, you know, what this group could and, and might do and, and what this roster is going to look like now in 2020, 2022. Yeah, Rob, I'll tell you what, you did a hell of a job uh, covering the draft, uh, before the draft, during the draft and after the draft uh, for Forbes.com. And I'm sure uh, all your readers uh, thoroughly enjoyed your coverage, but Moving on here, I'll, I'll tell you what, we got a bunch of topics on our plate today, and uh, perhaps we can start out by talking about the draft overall. I uh, thought the Packers did very well. In, in fact, uh, during the draft, I uh, tweeted out that Gutekunst crushed it, quote, crushed it, and I think he did to a, a certain degree. I don't necessarily agree with all the players that he took, but I agreed that he addressed the positions that needed to be addressed. And uh, when you and I were talking last week on the podcast, I uh, uh, suggested that the Packers had four glaring needs, uh, receiver, obviously, an offense lineman, a defense lineman, an inside linebacker. And I thought they might address that inside linebacker later on, but they, they did it pretty quickly. But, uh, you know, you, you can question whether he picked uh, the right guys, but he certainly addressed the right spots, in, at least in my mind. Yeah, I'm not as uh, high on the draft or quite as optimistic, I think, as you are, Gary, which I'm sure will surprise nobody out there. <laughs> <laughs> I am shocked. <laughs> and, 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 Gary, here's why. And, and, yeah. and it, could, it could turn out to be, you know, down the road, a, a really good draft. But Gary, they're in a win now mentality. That's yep. you know, they have a very short window here with Rodgers to capture a Super Bowl. A maximum of three years, probably more likely to be two. And 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 Gary, that they're now coming into the 2022 season with a whole bunch of number three wide receivers. And in today's NFL, Gary, where more and more the rules, the officiating, just the general mentality of coaches has shifted more and more toward the offense and, and the passing offense, a high flying offense. It's going to be hard for them, Gary, to keep up in, in, in a shootout with a Tom Brady in a shootout with a Matthew Stafford, uh, a Kyler Murray and uh, a Dak Prescott. And that's just inside your own conference. I, I still think they're miles behind Buffalo and in Kansas city, for example, and in the AFC Gary, I, I again, I, I, I think at the end of the day, you know, three, four years down the road, we might look back and say Quay Walker turned out to be a nice pick at 22. It's obviously the first round linebacker they took that, that Devonte Wyatt turned out to be a nice pick at, at 28. 
But Gary, Gutekunst, and, and you mentioned it, this was the first time since 1967, I believe, was the year that they had two ones and two twos in the same draft. Correct. He, he really did have the draft capital and the ammunition to go anywhere he wanted on that board, let's say from number seven on down. He couldn't get in the top five or six, for, oh, well, unless he gave up his whole whole draft like a Ditka did all those years ago for, <laughs> for Ricky Williams. But, you know, he, he wasn't going to do that. But, but Gary, the two ones, for example, were, were worth the seventh pick overall, uh, you know, on, on, the, on the NFL uh, draft trade chart. Uh, so so Gutekunst really could move anywhere he wanted on that board. And I still insist, Gary, I mean, the number one and number two priority to them had to be getting Aaron Rodgers, a number one level wide receiver. Uh, 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 now, again, down the road, uh, Christian Watson might turn out to be a really good player. The kid they took in round two and traded up to get Gary. He's not going to be a difference maker though, this season. And, and neither is Sammy Watkins and neither is Randall Cobb and neither is Alan Lazard. Um, and neither are these other rookies that they took later on in the, in the draft. I mean, and I go on and on. So Rogers enters this season now, Gary, probably with his most unproven and, and arguably least talented group of wideouts that he has had since he took over at quarterback in, in 2008, it'll be his 15th season. And he, and he's always had a Donald driver, a, a Greg Jennings, a Jordy Nelson, uh, a James Jones, a Randall Cobb, uh, young Randall Cobb, Gary. He now, mm-hmm. now he's got old Randall Cobb, um, a, a Devonte Adams. He's always had that number one and, and, and two and three, most of the years too, Gary. And, and a lot of years, a stud tight end. They've got a whole bunch of number threes right now. I don't even think they have a two on the roster right now, Gary. Watson's going to turn out to probably be a nice player, but he's not going to be a two yet. And they've got tons of questions at tight end. Um, you know, can Tunyon come back from that knee? When can he come back? How soon will he be the same player that he was in 2020 when he had 11 touchdowns? Gary, if I was betting 100 bucks right now, Aaron Jones is going to lead him in catches, and, and A.J. Dillon might be second. I mean, it's, it's a group – uh, of wide receivers, Gary, that's still after this draft. And I know they put three picks into it, but they were not premium, premium picks. They, I mean, it, it, it was a, a second, a fourth, and a seventh at the end of the day. To me, Gary, they needed to use a first and a second on the wide receiver group if they were going to challenge for a Super Bowl in 2022. So my belief, Gary, is again, long-term, this might turn out to be a really good draft. But they're playing for the here and now. They're playing short term. They're on this short window, tiny window, tight window, Gary, to try to win a Super Bowl. And I don't think they took the necessary steps to challenge the top four or five teams in football with this draft. Rob, I, I couldn't agree with you more. I, 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 the reason I, I said uh, Gutekus crunched it or crushed it was because I still think there's another move to be made. And you know, we, we've heard about Julio Jones. We heard about Jarvis Landry. There, there's a couple other wide receivers uh, supposedly on the trade market. So I use that as a caveat to the big picture. If he goes out and gets a big-time receiver, and he doesn't have to be a big-time, but a, a high-quality receiver to go along with this draft, I, I think it's going to be phenomenal. But you know what, Rob? You and I talked about this uh, in our last podcast uh, a few days before the draft about uh, exploring the possibility of moving up. And uh, several NFL people told me in the days leading up that Gutekunst was trying to get up 
And I thought it was a slam dunk that he would go up to 13, uh, which if I'm not mistaken, I think Philadelphia did, but, but you're absolutely right. He had the draft capital and uh, the fact that he didn't move up, you know, just blew me away. Uh, but then again, who knows? Maybe those teams didn't want to deal with the Packers. You know what I mean? Um, they, they didn't uh, want to give them more ammo. So well, I'll say this, Gary, you know, sometimes you need to sweeten the pot. Absolutely. Uh, Absolutely. And, 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 and anybody will deal with you. I mean, look at the trade that they made Friday night when, when they moved up to get Christian Watson uh, early in round two, the third pick or the second pick of round two, pick 34 overall. Mm-hmm. They did it with Minnesota, right? A divisional foe. And, yeah. you know, most of the time you don't see trades within the division and Minnesota did a couple of them. They, they did one with Detroit and they, and, and, and the lions went up on, on Thursday night to get Jamison Williams, the wide out, a uh, wide out, out, out of Alabama and green Bay, And they made a deal with green Bay Friday, the next night. And, and why did they do it, Gary? Because green Bay gave up two picks, two second round picks, 53 and 59, where again, if you go and look at the NFL draft trade, you know, uh, chart, the Vikings absolutely fleeced the Packers on that deal, Gary. Um, you know, what, what Green Bay gave up, the two twos were worth way more than, than the number two that they acquired. Um, 53 and 59, Gary, add up to far more points than 34, which is the pick Green Bay got in return. So again, we knew, Gary, when we did our, I think everybody in the league knew, and everybody I talked to told me this around the league. You and I knew this a week and a half ago when we did, you know, um, our last podcast here kind of previewing the draft there was going to be a run somewhere on wide receivers. Mm-hmm. I was projecting it to go Gary from say 10 to 20. It actually started a couple picks earlier and it wound up going from eight to 18, you know, but about a 10, 11 pick window in there where we knew the wideouts were going to absolutely fly off the board. And Atlanta got it started with Drake London at eight. And that surprised me a little bit. I didn't think they'd go that direction. First of all, and I wasn't quite sure a wideout would go that high. But once Atlanta got the ball rolling on that, Gary, then it, then it was the wild, wild west, right? Garrett Wilson at 10 uh, to the Jets, the Ohio State kid. New Orleans trades up to 11 for Chris Olave. And that's really where Gutekunst needed to strike, Gary. Um, you know, make that, that, was, that was our guy, right? <laughs> yes, it was. I mean, Washington was sitting there at 11 and, and, and made the trade with New Orleans. Um, well, again, who had more draft capital, Gutekunst or the Saints? You know, Gutekunst did um, with that extra first and that extra second where, again, all he's got to do is, is sweeten the pot and, and get up there, you know, potentially for, for Olave if you wanted him. The Lions made a hell of a splash, I think, Gary, you know, when they moved up then to 12 for Jamison Williams, uh, you know, so now you had three wideouts in a row going at 10, 11, 12, and really four out of five picks mm-hmm. uh, counting London. Uh, Gary, we'll, we'll see how this plays out, but the Lions might have got themselves the best wide receiver out of this whole draft. He, he, he'll he probably take a redshirt year here in 2022 coming off his ACL, but man, he was a top three pick otherwise. Williams was, um, you know, had he had he not tore up his knee in the national championship game. And, you know, then, then Jahan Dotson, I think Gary goes 16 to Washington. You know, they had traded back from, from 11 to 16 and, and Tennessee took Traylon Burks. So six of them are gone, Gary, in, a, in an 11-pick stretch. And now Brian Gutekunst is sitting there at pick 22, decided not to ask anybody to dance here at prom, and, and he wound up sitting there by himself. Um, 
and and at that point in time, Gary, it, I mean, it, it was like bar time. There wasn't a whole lot left from that receiver group, at least for for Thursday night. He's looking around the bar and saying, "Who am I taking home?" And there there was nobody there worth taking home at uh, at two fifteen in the morning for for Brian Gutekunst, Gary, and and he yeah. went in another direction. Again, we'll see how that plays out. He went defense again at, at pick twenty eight. Um, there's a lot to like about both players, Gary. We'll get into it. There's also a lot about both players. I think that raises some red flags. So in theory, Gary, on paper, Green Bay should, should be outstanding on defense. They'll, they'll have a top five defense, I would assume, uh, th- this season coming up. I, I think their, their offense, the, the, the picks they made on the offensive line, you know, at least a couple of those have a really good chance, Gary, to pan out. They've replenished their depth on the offensive line, which we talked about uh, in our last podcast, was, was, was a huge concern. They look to me, Gary, right now as good as anybody in football up front. If Bakhtiari and Jenkins can come back and and be the players that that they were pre uh, pre ACL uh, tears for, for both of those guys, and their running game should be really strong, Gary. You know, so so you kind of look at Green Bay how they're built right now. The defense is going to be outstanding. The offensive line should be really good. They've they've got as good of a one-two punch at running back as maybe anybody in football. And they've got an absolute hodgepodge of nonsense at wide receiver that they're going to have to try to win football games this season, Gary, in a way we're not used to seeing in Green Bay. And, and that's with defense and a running game and a quarterback that's going to have to buy into the fact that they might be 50-50 this year, Gary. They might actually, for the first time since 2003, run the ball more than they've thrown it. Um, and that's if Aaron Rodgers will let that happen. And Aaron Rodgers doesn't come to the line of scrimmage and change one out of five plays from, from a run to a pass, Gary. Um, you know, if, if, if that happens, you know, I, I still think they have a chance to be a really good football team. They're just going to have to win games this season, Gary, in a way that we're not used to seeing them win. It's not going to be on, you know, on, on the bazooka arm of Brett Favre, which we watched for 16 years. And, and, you know, now the arm of Aaron Rodgers and the intellect of Aaron Rodgers you know, winging it all around the field, which we've seen now for the last 14 years. This is yeah. this is going to be a defense mm-hmm. and a run game operation unless they make the big splash, Gary, like you mentioned, and and that's going out and adding one more piece to this to this wide receiver group. I don't. Yeah, you know, you don't want to. Rob, I want to go back. Yeah. I, I want to go back to the wide receivers and move on. Though, um, everything I heard in the days leading up to the draft was that the Packers were enamored with Traylon Burks, that they liked him. He wanted to play there. But I was also told that there are at least two, three teams picking behind the Packers that wanted to move up. And I don't, I don't know if I mentioned this on the podcast, but I did tweet it out that the Tennessee Titans were one of them. And I got some feedback saying, why would Tennessee move up? Well, we, we all found out why. But the crazy thing about it is Tennessee moved up to what was it, 18, I believe. Correct. To get Traylon Burks, right? Packers are at 22. Now, with all that draft capital, they could have easily moved up, you know, and, and secured him if they really, really wanted him. And, uh, you know, apparently <laughs> uh, Brian Gutekunst thought Quay Walker would be a better pick at uh, 22 than moving up. I, you know, again, if, if they don't get out, go out and get a veteran wide receiver. Uh, that, that that changes my perspective of this of this draft considerably. And, and, and it's not going to be easy, Gary. I mean, the, the guys on the street today they're they're on the street for a reason. Exactly. Um, 
it, it, it's because they're not game changers. It's, it's because they're not difference makers. So, you know, to me, does, does bringing in a Jarvis Landry? Yeah. Not, now at least you have a number two, I guess, if, if they went and did that, but you know, are, are you going to meet his price tag? Is his price tag going to come down because he's been asking for probably way more money up till this point in time, Gary, than, than was realistic for him. You know, Landry doesn't get you to the Super Bowl, though, Gary. I mean, and he's probably the best of a really unsavory group that still sits on the street today of of wide receivers. I mean, that's that, 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 that's a whole bunch of rejects right now sitting around waiting for a call. If they're going to make really, Gary, a run at the Super Bowl, they're going to have to call up the Seahawks and 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 steal a DK Metcalf from them. Yeah, that's not going to happen, Rob. No way. No way. Probably not. Not at this no. point in time because because yeah. if you know, I, I was going to mention a Debo Samuel or whoever else. Yeah, you know, but, yeah. but the thing is, Gary, those organizations, if, if a trade like that was going to happen, it was going to happen last week. Those organizations mm-hmm. wanted picks now, not a yeah. year from now. Um, and, and that's why most of the time, and, and you saw it on draft night, right? With both the Browns getting traded, the, the two stud wide receivers, what were they traded for? They were traded for draft picks. Teams want an immediate return on that particular trade. And in going out right now and, and, and getting a proven veteran from somebody else, most of the time isn't going to happen, Gary, unless that team comes to a conclusion pretty quick that they're not winning anything this, this particular season. I guess, you know, you, you take a team like Seattle, Gary, now who's left with what, Drew Locke to play quarterback, that's yeah. going to be a four-win football team and then in all likelihood, you know, with maybe that's a team you can make something happen with. But, but by and large, history shows that, it, that if a, uh, one of these standout wide receivers, Gary, is going to get moved, it was going to happen last weekend on draft weekend. Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, when, when we uh, spoke on our podcast last week, you and I were breaking down their position of needs. And, I mean, it, you know, Ray Charles could have seen that they needed a receiver, maybe two or three like you had mentioned. When they announced that they took Quay Walker – could you believe it? I, I know they need a need at inside linebacker, but I'll tell you what, that, that kind of surprised me. Well, Gary, once Burks was gone, I did not think they would go wide receiver at 22. I thought they might go Watson at 28. Um, yeah. Yeah. You know, and they wound up getting him at 34. But no, I, I, I was not ex- expecting Walker. At that point in time, I was starting to think maybe offensive linemen um, somewhere in there. I actually thought they might take Jermaine Johnson. Yeah. The kid from Florida state, the outside linebacker, who a lot of people thought was going to go in the top 10. And, and for various reasons, you know, he slipped down some draft boards. I, I, I actually had him penciled in at nine uh, to Seattle. I thought, I thought he was the perfect guy uh, to go play in, in Carroll's defense out there, Gary, you know, but there were some offensive linemen falling. Linderbaum uh, was sitting there, the center who, you know, came from Iowa and probably could have been a plug-and-play guy. Tyler Smith, I think, went a couple picks later to Dallas. Um, you know, there was, you know, Karloftis, I think, the edge rusher, Gary, was still there. You know, he the, the kid from Purdue, I think he wound up going to the Chiefs. I thought, he, you know, he could have been a really good third uh, outside linebacker for them, but no, to, an- to answer your question. Uh, yes. I was extremely surprised on Walker. I thought Walker was a second round guy, not a first clearly they felt you know, different his intent, his measurements, Gary are off the charts. I mean, a four, five, two in the 40. Um, there are some concerns though. 
the nine on the Wonderlick, I, I think, has to worry everybody. Um, and we'll get into that a little bit here. Walker scored a nine on the Wonderlick. Wyatt scored an eight. And for those not familiar at home, it's a 50-question test that's given to, to everybody before the draft. Uh, they have 12 minutes to take it. It's not overly difficult. What ends up killing people, and sometimes in the numbers, is, is they might only finish 20, 30 questions along the way. They don't, they don't get it all done. Gary, I think, took the Wonderlick recently and scored 49. Minus so. three. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know, by the way, speaking of the Wonderlick, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think only two players, I mean, this is crazy. Of all the players that have taken this test, only two players have had a perfect score. I mean, it, it isn't that hard. I, I agree with you to get, you know, a respectable score. But from what I understand, only two players have ever aced that uh, baby. So, yeah, the only one I remember Gary doing it, and you might you might remember the second one is is Ryan Fitzpatrick. You know, the quarterback. Um, I know he got a he's a Harvard kid. He got a fifty. The NFL think, average is twenty two. Yeah. Um, so when a guy scores in the single digits like that, like both of green Bay's top two picks did, it raises a lot of red flags about, can they learn a defense mentally? Can, can they keep up with what's going to happen on the other side of the field? Those, those, those are enormous questions. For example, yeah. Gary Christian Watson, then who they took in round two scored a 38. Um, so you, you have no worries whatsoever there on Watson's, you know, in, intellect and his IQ. Is that, uh, is that higher than Rogers? Yeah, Rogers. I think Gary was a thirty-five. That's so, already, so already, Roger, Rogers won't like that. Sorry, some, are you are you are you saying now that Aaron Rodgers isn't going to be the smartest guy in the room? <laughs> well, you, you, you try to tell him that, Gary. Yeah, <laughs> that's, yeah. That, that, that's like me and you. That's like me and you trying to tell our wives they were actually wrong about something. So yeah, good, good uh, luck with that. Yeah, good luck, right? But exactly. but you know it's. Uh, well, first of all, with the Wonderlick test, how did that get out? Uh, you know, I, I, I'm always amazed. And correct me again if I'm wrong, but I thought they did not have the Wonderlick at the combine. Yeah, you know, Gary, I don't, I don't even know that part of it. I, I know it's yeah. been, you know, there's there are certainly some teams that don't put the value on it, maybe that others do. But you know, I I, I talked to a scout on Friday last week, Gary, and and he told me, you know. Some teams are, are aren't valuing it maybe the way they did 20 years ago, but 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 what he said to me is he said those those teams are are foolish that that history shows a pattern here when yeah. I, when a guy has a a single digit score a, you know a, a number below 10 a lot of times the track record parallels uh, to the fact that this guy is not going to have um, the kind of career that that maybe some of these teams thought that the mental side of the game becomes too much and. And, and, and you know how it is, Gary, if, you know, if, if, if you can't dissect a play and you're standing around thinking about it, it doesn't matter that you're a four, five, two guy like Walker. It doesn't matter that you're a four, seven, seven guy like, like Devonte Wyatt is. Um, if, if, if you're watching the world go by, I, I don't care how big, strong, fast you are. If, if you can't grasp the game from a mental side, it becomes a concern. So um, I, again, I think there's a lot to like about both of these first round picks, Gary, but, but they, they're going to have some questions to answer. Can they get it on the mental side of things? We, we had the same question three years ago with Rashawn Gary. I think he was a 10 or 11 Gary on the Wonderlick. And now part of that is he's dyslexic. And so he has a tough time, 
you know, sorting through a test like the Wonderlick to finish all the questions on time. That's not the case with, with either Walker or Wyatt, but we all know that Rashawn Gary is probably one of the five hardest workers that have come through Green Bay in the 2000s here. I mean, that, that, that kid is an all-time grinder, and, and he's been able to overcome some of that stuff. Walker and Wyatt are going to have to prove it, Gary, that in addition to these remarkable physical gifts they've been given, that they can grasp it on the mental side of things to help this defense immediately. Otherwise, Gary, I'm telling you right now, offensive coordinators are going to go after them right and left, especially especially right away in 2022 when they're out there as rookies. Yeah, you were, we were uh, making the, the comparison on Wonderlick tests between Rodgers and uh, Watson. Uh, two sources told me uh, the week before the draft that Aaron Rodgers was involved in the draft process specifically with, with the receivers that he had been studying film. And uh, I, I'll be very curious. I, I think it'll come out eventually. Uh, what kind of input Rodgers had in this selection, if that was his guy all along or, or whatever. But he, he knew damn well that the Packers weren't going to pick a receiver without Aaron Rodgers' uh, uh, blessing. So, again, it's going to be fun to find out, you know, what, what uh, actually happened there. And, and again, we'll find out more about that. It might not be till the summer, Gary, you know, Rogers isn't participating in, in the off season program right now. He won't, he won't be there for mini camp. He, you know, he, he, he won't be there. Well, the, the OTAs are mandatory. I guess he'll be there for those. And, and we might get a chance to talk to him at, at that point in time. But um, you know, Gary, I, and you know, just specifically on that, I, I think that's a huge mistake by the quarterback. Um, you, you've got, all these new faces in the wide receiver room, right? You've got, you've got three rookies that you, you just drafted. Um, you, you, you lost your number one playmaker for the last four or five years in, in Devontae Adams. Uh, you, you've added an, an aging uh, over the hill, probably Sammy Watkins. But, you know, let, let's assume he's going to be on the football team, that he makes the final roster. Rodgers has to develop some kind of chemistry with him. So, so Gary, I, you know, as a $50 million quarterback, I, I think it's pretty selfish for Rodgers to not be there here in May and June, um, trying to develop any kind of chemistry that he can with these, with these wide receivers. I, I get it. You know, this Brett Favre did the same thing later in his career. And, and I ripped him for doing that at the time too, Gary, you know, these, these are year long employees. They're not six month employees. And, and, it, and if you're going to try to catch people uh, like, like the Rams and, and Tampa Bay and, and San Francisco and, and stay ahead of the Dallas's and, and the Cardinals of the world and, and Minnesota and people like that, Gary, you, you know, they're putting in the work in, in their respective cities and, and why Rogers isn't and, and why that's not happening in green Bay is a whole nother story. We know the answer to it. It's because the quarterback kind of runs the show over there right now. And, and he does what he chooses and what he pleases. But Gary, I, I, I think it's a, it's a disservice to everybody in the building that he will not be there the next two months to develop any kind of chemistry with these young wide receivers. Yeah. I, I'm a little surprised by that. And, and I, again, he, you know, he hasn't made himself available to the media, but I, I would love to get his reaction to the Packers draft. And Come on, Gary, he makes himself available to Pat McAfee. Exactly. By the way, did I say McAfee was the only guy that had the four or perfect score? I can't remember, but he, he supposedly did, did ace it. So, oh, he did. Interesting. That, yeah, that one, I didn't that's know. what I was told. Yeah, that one I would not have bet on. Yes, me either. <laughs> not by a long shot. <laughs> no, no, I would have. Yeah. I would have divided. I would have divided that score by four. Yeah, so, 
Right, we got about five minutes to go here, uh, according to our crack Zoom department here. Um, was there one player in the in the draft? Let's say take away the first uh, three picks. Was there one player thereafter that kind of uh, caught your attention? So you're saying after the first three picks, Gary? After the Packers' first three picks, yeah. Uh, Gary, I loved what they did on the offensive line. I, I really did. Hmm. The, their their depth right now, I mean, is is outstanding. If if Bakhtiari and Jenkins can can return uh, from from those ACL injuries, uh, Gary, I think they've got eight bona fide starters up front. I mean, I I really do. Um, let let's just say Bakhtiari and Jenkins are healthy. Gary Bakhtiari is the left tackle I think Jenkins is probably the front runner to move out to right tackle and and Gary all of a sudden every interior job is is up for grabs you you look what they bring back uh Runyon was probably a c-plus player last year I think Myers at center has a lot of upside and and they're going to certainly give him the time he was a second round draft pick and and then Royce Newman was a four who started 17 games last year well now all of a sudden Gary you throw into the mix the third round pick from this year Sean Ryan uh three-year starter at left tackle for UCLA um really good athlete Gary I, I I think his vertical was almost 35 which put him number one among offensive linemen he's got enormous hands Gary over 11 inches um but what's going to kick him inside is the fact his arms are really short. It's got, he's got like 32 and a half inch arms. So that right that, you know, you want 34 to 35 on the outside, Gary, his arms are three inches too short. So he's going to kick inside, but he's a terrific athlete, Gary. I mean, he's going to challenge one of those guards for a starting spot, undoubtedly. And the fact they put a third round pick into him means that they, they like him quite a bit. Then Gary, they came back the next day on, on Saturday, the final day of the draft and in round four, uh, they took Zach Tom, the center left tackle out of out of Wake Forest, yeah. who who again is just a ridiculously good athlete. Gary, Gary, don't don't be shocked if he really challenges Josh Myers at that center job. Um, I, I, I think that's going to be yeah. a terrific battle to watch in in training camp. I have a hunch they'll start him there. He also could play guard as well. Um, I didn't even mention Yash Nijman, who you know was a godsend for them last year as a as a swing tackle, Gary, when injuries hit, he can play the left or the right side. He'll certainly be given every chance to win a job at, at, at right tackle when the, when this thing gets going, especially if, if Jenkins um, isn't ready to go, Gary. But we're talking about eight offensive linemen, I think, Gary, that that have a, have a terrific chance uh, to, to be starters and, and win jobs, um, you know, somewhere in this league. They've got They've got such ridiculously good depth again up front. I, that is the one spot to me where Gutekunst hit a couple of home runs. And now moving forward, uh, Gary, they, they, they've got exactly the kind of talent and depth that they had a year ago when they were able to survive all those injuries that smacked them in the mouth. Okay, wait, just a, a brief response to this. I know you're a Bucky uh, Badger fan here. Oh, boy. Okay, so they take Ryan with the 92nd pick overall. At 104, the next guard was taken, okay? And you know who that is? Logan Bruss. Yep. Did you have any problem with that? Packers? Uh... Absolutely not. Bruss was, okay. to me, Gary, Bruss was taken too high, and, and Green Bay's probably got a guy that'll get a second contract there in Ryan at some point in time. I, I think both of those guys, Ryan and Tom, are going to turn out to be six to eight year players in green Bay. Those were okay. really good picks. Well, I'll, I'll tell you the guy I'm really intrigued 
buys the uh, receiver Dubs from Nevada. Okay. And, uh, you know, when they drafted him, I quickly looked at some of his uh, tape. And I'll tell you what, that, you know, you're, you're talking about some of these offensive linemen perhaps making an impact. I think this guy is going to eventually be part of the rotation for the Packers. Um, he's just a very, very smooth runner, has good hands. And uh, during the uh, draft itself, there, there are two scouts that I kind of text back and forth and get their uh, opinions on different players. And I tweeted out to one, or not tweeted, but I texted one of them and said, uh, what, what's your take on dubs? And his response was one word, stud. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I know we're under a minute here, Gary, so, so I'll be quick. Yeah, I, I will say this. I, I agree with you. I it, it may not be this year, but certainly by year two, I think Dubs is part of that rotation. I, I like him a lot. A bright future. All right. Well, we're uh, going to wrap this up. And uh, any last, any other thoughts on the draft itself? How about Ed Marinero? Huh? Boy, did he take some crap for his appearance? <laughs> no. I, 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 again, I know we're up against the clock. I'll, you know, I'll, uh, Marinero was hilarious to me, Gary. Um, I'll, I'll give Green Bay's draft overall a B, but, but again, my, my major reservation, my major problem with it is, is they needed a difference-making receiver for 2022. They didn't get one, and, and I still think they're behind uh, the big boys of the NFC. Rob, it was a pleasure, as usual, spending time with you and, uh, of course, solving all the Packers' issues. And uh, thanks again to our fantastic listeners. Take care and all the best. For more sports news, check back every Tuesday for our latest show. You can also follow Gary on Twitter at GaryWoofle and WuffelsPressBox.com.